Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Okay, so today I am sitting here with one of my BFFs, forever BFFs. I'll never forget the day I met you, Donna, and I just knew that I wanted to be in your life and just meeting you and getting to know you. And of course, you're a fellow Paul Mitchell School owner, so I feel like today I'm with my people. Today. I know, right? <laughs> it feels good. We miss each yes. other. But hey, I want to introduce Donna here. She's not only an entrepreneur, a hairdresser, and a school owner as well. The funny fun fact, get this, her first job as a hairdresser was at Wynn Claybaugh, who's the Dean of Palmetto Schools now. His very first salon, it was called Von Curtis. <laughs> so you were yep. his very first hired employee. And I can't say that about my first hired employee that I, that I hired Donna because she's not with me anymore. But look at <laughs> you are his partner now. I mean, how cool is that, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what, when, I mean, what a mentor to have, right? And from day one, when he was barely starting in this industry, because I can still in my mind, you know, those moments in your life that you have where they're just kind of embedded and you can recall the day or the moment so well, I can still recall the moment when I walked downstairs, it was in the basement, it was probably no bigger than 700, 800 square feet, three stations, one shampoo station, a little tiny front desk, and they were building it out. And my friend was dropping off some printing at a place right next door. And I just kind of wandered in and I was like, hey, what are you guys doing in here? And Wynn said, oh, we're building a salon. And I go, oh, really? I go, I'm a licensed hairdresser. And he goes, really? He goes, do you want to apply? And I was like, sure, why not? And literally, that's how it all started. Oh my gosh, that is such you know? a cool story. I love that so much. Uh, Donna is also, uh, get this, a family of 10 children. And she was raised in Mexico from three years old to 11, learning how to speak Spanish. And then you went from Mexico to Idaho. <laughs> Go figure that one right? out. <laughs> I know. Well, that's where I was born. I was born in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And my dad franchised Kentucky Fried Chickens in Mexico. And so you know, off the family went down to Mexico and, you know, we lived there for eight years while he opened up location after location and, you know, just had a really extraordinary time. I mean, I was bilingual from day one. I never remember learning Spanish. It was just kind of my first language. In fact, when we came back to the States, I remember I really didn't speak much for the first year because it was awkward. I was trying to conjugate my verbs and I would get mixed up and I was like, ooh, ooh. So, you know, until we spoke English in our home, but the rest of the world, you know, with my friends and in school, I spoke, you know, Spanish for the most part. That's so cool so, because that's yeah. so essential. Now, speaking of essential, it's so essential now. I live in Florida yeah. and we took over a salon in Naples, Florida a couple of years ago, Donna, and it was actually a Spanish speaking owner. And so we took on some of her guests and we couldn't talk to her. And so I had to bring somebody, get this from Michigan, that was born and raised in Venezuela that spoke Spanish. I had to move her down there so that she could help us with the transition. Isn't that wow. crazy? Wow, <laughs> interesting. Well, you know, we're, we're actually, we're doing something that I'm really thrilled about and hopefully by the end of the year, we're gonna have this all complete. We're in the process of applying for us to start a Spanish program in two of our schools right now. So I'm, I'm really excited. I, I thought, you know, there's a need for this and let's do yes. it. Why not? There's a huge need for oh, it. Yeah. I love there it. Is. And then after uh, Donna returned, she opened a salon, her own salon uh, for 20 years and you had 30 stylists. And I love this, that you were a platform artist for Zotos International. <laughs> is, is Zoto still around? I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, they are. It's kind of been through a couple of transitions and morphoses and everything. But yeah, I, I read something not long ago about Zotos International and I thought, oh, they're trying to revive it again. So, oh, that's so you cool. know what? It's, it, it's a great company. And at the time, they were the number one leader in, you know, perms and perm solutions and perm right. techniques. That's all I can think of. When I think of yeah. Zotos, I think yeah. perms. <laughs> So I always tell my students, don't ever have a perm throw down with me because I will win you every time. <laughs> 
I grew up doing perms, right? If I should, oh, wish yeah. I would have kept track. If, if any future professionals are listening to this, do something for yourself. Keep track of how many services you do throughout yes. your career. It's, yes. it's such, you won't want it early on, but you'll want to know that number as you know, time goes on and you look back and everything. And so I, I really Good do idea. wish that I would have kept track of. You know, it's so true. I was just talking, actually, uh, Kelly Cardenas, we were talking about this and about keeping journals. And he said to my staff, because he was uh, speaking to our salon team, and he said, don't you wish that you could read Tina's journals from years ago? <laughs> and I didn't even think about that. And I started going back into some of my old journals and started reading some things. I'm like, whoa, have I certainly have come far. And I think you need to kind of like realize that, you know, that's why journals and what you're talking about is recording things that you're doing, which I think is so amazing to see where you came from. But the bottom line is that I love about you. And, and I want to talk about this because to be essential, number one, I think you have to bloom where you're planted. And you've always done that. You've always bloomed where you're planted and you've had joy in every step of the way. Um, I also want to mention that Donna is a, a, one of the first owners of the Paul Mitchell School Network, and she has five schools, and none of them are in the state or one where you live, which is, and it, but it's far. And I think that's the most awesome thing because you've been able to scale your business, Donna, without being present 100% of the time in your business. And I want to talk about that because that's unheard of in this industry and, and a lot of industries. I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Cause, you know, after this quarantine, we're watching, we're going to watch businesses shut down left and right. I don't think they're going to make it past the end of this year. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but you also own your own online makeup academy. I mean, how cool is that, that you thought of that many years ago before now that is going to be so popular. I'm watching all these companies pop up online right now and i think it's so cool and then i also want to talk about your favorite saying which i love this saying uh that which we persist in doing becomes easy not because the task has changed but because our ability to do so increases i think we're going to unpack that as we go along <laughs> here too but let's let's talk about being essential because you are essential first of all if you're a human being you are essential. Talk about that, Donna, because I was just, I was actually coaching some future professionals today. We started a brand new team in our schools called the leadership team, which I talked to your future professionals about this. And we were on the call today and meeting a brand new uh, core future professional. Get this. Uh, he had been living alone for the past four years before he joined his school because his mom passed away and he's been basically living in isolation for four years. So he's been kind of like quarantined. And so wow. he joined our school and to hear his story and just absolutely incredible. And I said, guess what? I have a feeling years from now, I'm going to be interviewing you on the B series podcast. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> and I think part of it, and uh, I think part of the, the thing that's happening is that he doesn't believe that he's essential. And this is a, I think that's a very, very uh, big problem. And the United States, I know for sure, Donna, um, but I think people don't believe that they are essential, period. And I'm watching hairdressers all over social media saying, we're not essential. You know, why are you wanting us to be open? And, and yeah, I mean, I can understand part of the safety issue, what, what they're kind of discussing. And I don't, you know, it, then none of that matters. But what does hurt me is to hear these hairdressers saying they're not essential. Let's talk about that. Well, I believe that if you come onto this planet, that you're essential. There is no one that is more important, no one that is more valued, no one that is more um, important than anybody over anybody. So if you come from that belief that everybody is essential, then our nation wouldn't have been shut down as it was so that the essential could support the non-essential. You know, if, if we believe that there's a higher power in charge, whether you call that God or, or whoever, then, then where is the gift of this time for us? And that's where we have to evaluate individually to be able to see how we can um, make ourselves essential. No one can make you essential. 
No one can make you essential and no one can make you feel not essential except yourself at the end of the day. You know, we, we all have things. I mean, I've been told I'm not essential. You've been told you're not essential. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet I've had to really, you know, in the beginning it was a little shocking and I had a really bad first week of this quarantine. You know, I mean, there were so many voices inside my head telling me things and, um, I, I really had to just get into my self-talk, Tina, and, you know, do an ex- extra little bit more prayers and really trying to understand where the gift of, of understanding that I was essential and there were things that I could do that were within my power. And I know you did that too, which is so important. You know, when, when something's taken away, then you have to look at, see where your options that you can do. And wow. so we, we do what we can. And, yes. you know, so... I don't know. I just, you know, I, I hope and I want to say to everybody who, who, who's in the power and the reach of my voice, please, please do the work to understand your value. And I tell this to my future professionals in one of my presentations that no one is going to place more value on the work that you do and what you do than yourself. So meaning if you're waiting for your salon owner to tell you, okay, Tina, you're ready to go up in price. That's not understanding your own value. Mm. I, as a hairdresser, need to know when I'm ready to go up in price. When someone approaches me and says, oh, I just need a quick haircut, you know, you, you can just do it for me here in the kitchen. And when I tell them, actually, no, I don't do hair in the kitchen. I want you to come into my salon or I want you to come into the school so that I can do it in a professional setting. That's placing value on yourself. And so mm. you we as professionals build our own value and no one, no one, no one will value you and your presence and the work that you do, the training that you've done, everything that you've invested in it more than yourself. You know, Tina, I always say when hairdressers are so quick because we're passionate, we're loving, we want everybody to look beautiful. And, you know, we, we, we want to do that, but I always say, have you ever gone to the dentist? And you'll love this analogy, Tina, because of mm-hmm. your background. Um, <laughs> and he does, you know, a teeth cleaning and then they do x-rays. And then he comes in and he says, hey, you have a cavity in this, you know, one tooth. And you know what? It's, it's not going to take me long to fill it. So I'm just, because I like you so much, I'm just going to fill that cavity for you. You know, has that ever happened? I mean, never, I, never, never. never in my life has that ever happened. But we as hairdressers do it all the time you know what, I, we did this color today, but you just need a little shape around the front here. I'm not going to charge you for that. Why do we do that? You know, yeah. they say, oh, it doesn't cost me anything. It's just my scissors. I'm like, really? Your scissors? Well, certainly by the time you have a career, you're going to upgrade your scissors from your school scissors that you have. And you know, all hairdressers have a good clientele, have a plethora of scissors that you choose from, but you have to get them sharpened. You get new scissors. I mean, there, there is not, you have to pay utilities. You have to pay for the square footage, the chair that, you know, your guest is sitting in, the water that comes in so that you could do that color, everything. There's nothing, there, there is no free lunch. There is no free service. And even if you do it in your kitchen, you better charge them something because, you know, during this quarantine, we probably are, but I hope everybody's been charging a little something because you have to get back and pay for your investment that you've invested in to get that education. Yes. You know? Wow. Okay. It's it's really, I I don't know. I'm very passionate about understanding our value for so many reasons. So many reasons. I think we're hitting on something so strong right now. I think this is for every hairdresser, every salon owner in America. This is so big. Okay. So I I'm calling this be essential. And I put down, uh, first you have to believe you are essential. So what this is going to be about the steps to do the work, to understand your value. And most people don't do this work. Donna, where did you get your belief from? Like, what's that untold story for you? Because I think we all have different stories and, and different things that happened in our life, different adversity. Uh, where did you get your belief? Because the day I met you, I'm like, I want, I want that confidence that Donna has. I want, I want to be Donna. I could call it be Donna. <laughs> I want to be Donna. Oh, I love you, Tina. Donna knows she's essential. Like, yeah. you know, your value, where did that come from? Yeah. You know, I was actually talking about this with my sister and when we were in Mexico, okay. So schooling was, you know, different. And my kindergarten year, I went to a half English, half 
Spanish school, which was in Monterey, Mexico. And then we moved to Guadalajara. And there was, um, only, there was no half English, half Spanish school there. There was one school that an American lady had and, and, and ran, and she would take very few students. And so, you know, my mom took everybody out there and she taught, you know, first grade through uh, 12th grade. And so, you know, between all of our siblings, there were about six of us that, you know, needed to go five above me, you know, went and she accepted all of them. And then she said, you know, she's too young. Um, you know, you're going to have to find a place for her. She speaks Spanish. She's fine. She'll, she'll, you know, you need to find a different school for her. So my mom was like, you know, trying to figure this all out. And the first day that she took all the kids, it was about a 30 minute drive out to the school. It was on a pig farm, believe it or not. And she had a little schoolhouse out in the back, but um, she uh, dropped the kids off. And I walked in with my mom and I can still remember, you know, just being there and everything. And uh, Lindley is what we called her. She was just the wisest woman, but she, you know, mom was, getting ready to leave and I was going to go with my mom and all of a sudden Lindley just looked at her and she goes you know what leave her with me she goes leave her with me and uh we you know walked in and my nickname became baby but um <laughs> you know having that person that believed in you I mean first off we had great parents who really gave us a great solid foundation you know what I mean and it's, if you're in a family of 10 you've got to get a thick skin so that you can survive you know, yeah. the teasing and everything that happens in that family. But Lindley, honestly, Tina, I can remember I did first and second grade there. And I did first grade first, went into second grade. And by the time I did finish second grade, I had done the work of second and third grade in one year. So I got promoted to fourth grade. But she made me believe I could do anything. So um, I always attribute... Lindley to just giving me that belief that I could do it like I can remember my sister who was in seventh grade started typing and so she was doing typing class and I was sitting and me and my button pushing I looked at my sister and I go I want to try that to Lindley and she goes you want to try typing and I go yeah and so she left and she came back and she had a dish towel and so she worked with me for about 10 minutes, you know, teaching me where the keys were, how to read the, you know, type that was in the book and the exercise and everything. And then she said, place my hands on the keys. And she goes, okay, now remember these three keys. I'm like, yeah. Then she placed the dish towel over my hand. And literally any typing that I did, I, I never took typing class in high school because I learned in second grade. Wow. So, so, you know, for me, Tina, that was really a, a, a good setup, you know, and to this day, I think about Lindley, we would go back and visit her. But, um, you know, I, you know, when you think about the next life and who you're going to visit with and see, I can hardly wait to go up and give her a big hug and just thank her for her belief in me to be able to make me feel like I could do anything that I set my mind to. Oh my God. So, so we can almost call this be a Lindley because you're a Lindley, Donna. And, and this is incredible because now I, what's your purpose for being in this business? Like what's your why, by the way? Oh, it's well, a, a couple of things. I really love building teams and I love, I love, you know, Tina, I feel like I've had such a great career in the industry and it was so fun building a team and I, I just love being with people. I enjoy people. And you know, this business is torture for you if you don't enjoy people. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy putting the puzzle pieces together to benefit people's lives. And so um, it's really fun to be able to give back, to create a learning environment that I didn't have to be able to go through cosmetology, barbering, skin, you know, whatever, you know, my experience in beauty school was so different. It's probably, well, I, it, it, you know, for, for most everybody back then, it's just changed so much. When and John Paul have put millions of dollars into building a, such a wonderful curriculum, as you know, Tina, that it's really so fun to be able to build um, a facility from ground up and get it all mapped out and then bring it to life with people. I just really enjoy people and I love sharing my knowledge and I love sharing growth and I love growing with people. You know what I mean? I mean, my team members will tell you, oh my gosh, stop pushing us. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. But 
I'm like, no, you never stop learning and you never stop growing. You know, don't you get it? We never do. We never do. Yeah. You know, we're never going to reach that point where we think, oh, done. Oh I can post gosh. now. So it's all coming together now because Lindley, the way that she believes in you and our, our actual personalities are formed in the first six years of life. And so the way she believed in you, that's what you do for people. So really the building people is just believing in people for their worth. And, yeah. and it's so crazy because people don't understand their value. They don't understand their worth. And, but you've been able to pour into people. We have a very similar why, right? And yeah. this is yeah. so big. You so, know, okay. Tina, I, I had never connected that dot all the way back then, but it's, it's, tr it's like, true. It's true. Yep. Yeah. And look at, you made a career out of it. And I think we have to like really go back into our childhood and see like who affected us the most. And usually it's something out of adversity, which is interesting because most people think of adversity, but it's so interesting because I want to talk about this because this is another step, get thick skin. We're going to talk about that in a minute because that was huge. You dropped a bomb there. Uh, but number one, uh, you got to believe you are essential, but you've got to do the work to truly understand your value. In my book, Be Amazing, my second step to success was understanding your value because all the years I didn't understand my value at all, which is a whole nother ball game. And so, but that's, I mean, if you want to just turn this off right now, like turn it off and understand, like learn to understand your value because that's how you will be essential. Because guess what? You are essential. You're a human being. Number two, I put down, recognize the gift of time to learn how to be essential. And, you know, honestly, like we all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours. So yeah, we were given this gift of quarantine time, right? Quarantine, let's call it quarantine. <laughs> but how are we going, like I, one of the lessons I learned in quarantine is to really purify my priorities. And I've been talking a lot about that. And I've really actually always been really good at priority management, Donna. And I, want, I know you are too, because you know, you taught me time management. You taught me how to do it. My book, Be a Planner, came from you because of your courses that you taught. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so cool. But talk about that, the gift of time, because I feel like you understand your value so much. You understand the time that it takes and to really, really purify your priorities on a daily basis. You know, Tina, it's been interesting. Uh, there's a couple of books that have been in my life er, in, since my 20s. And, um, you know, when I read them back then versus reading them now, there, there's a handful that I, I, I've just kind of kept in my life, a couple of them. And, you know, the journey is so interesting. And, and as, as you, you know, grow and you develop your skill, that's why that saying is one of my favorite sayings in the world, because... I realize all of our capacity, we just, first off, we have to, have to understand that our capacity is going to be different in our, you know, teens and 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and everything as we, as we grow old, it just changes. And so understanding that metamorphosis and being patient with yourself um, when you're in your 20s and realizing that you're not going to probably have the same understanding of what you're trying to do as you will in your 40s, your 50s. But um, I've always, I've, I've been a book lover and I've always traveled a lot. So, you know, before anything was online or anything, if I can say that I was back from that generation where we had to buy books um, instead of on Kindle, but um, I always had a book going and I loved the, all the self-help books and I loved learning. And so I have devoted a lot of time. So when people say to me, I want to be like you, or I want to be able to handle a situation like you, how do you keep your calm and everything? You know, I, I mean, my, in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, how can I create this picture of what it's taken me to be able to do that, you know, at this point in my life. And um, it, it, it's, it's understanding, taking the time to be able to do that on a daily basis is so important. So for any future professionals or anybody in any industry that's listening to this, if you're in your teens, if you're in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, and you're not taking time every day to always have a book that's going to help develop you. And I believe, Tina, when you go to the bookstore or you get on Amazon or you want to go to Barnes & Noble online and everything, I believe that if you're ready to learn, the teacher appears, right? Mm -hmm. You'll know what books call to you. 
I mean, there's been so many times that I've gone, huh, this title sounds interesting. And I get into it and I'm like, oh my gosh. And it just, you know, light bulb goes off for you and yeah. for me. And, and, and it's really been amazing. So there is no substitute for learning. There is no substitute. There is no substitute. So when you're going through a hard time, you can't get yourself out of it. You have to rely on those who have authored books, you know, coaches, mentors that you have in your life and everything to be able to grow that. So as you're trying to understand your essentialness in life and, and your value and understand that, um, don't just rely on yourself. You know, I, I have many, many friends that I've never met and I, and I call them my author friends that, yeah. you know, um, have really, really helped me. So <laughs> friends, you've never met me too. I love it. Some of my biggest mentors are just, you know, uh, authors. I was just listening to Simon Sinek just uh, oh, I loved a him. little bit ago and he's really, really um, challenged my capacity too in learning. And I love that you said that because in order to purify your priorities, you have to learn. And so you're constantly in a motion of learning. And I also call that uh, another lesson I learned in quarantine was challenging my capacity. And so I put that down as number six, but I first have to tell you what I came up with three, four, and five. But I had a huge realization with you, Donna. Um, the, the mere fact of the gift of time, of learning how to be essential, which we are talking about, and so many hairdressers and so many uh, salon owners don't see themselves that way. And let's talk about salon owners for a second, because I think what I've seen with salon owners, and, and you were talking about, because you, you want to grow people, right? And so you want to believe in people. And, and I think, I do believe that salon owners want that. But I think what's happened is they open up a salon and then because they didn't do the work, okay, so we have, of course, the Next Level Salon Leadership on foundation. And unfortunately, they didn't do the work. And so the storm comes in and the foundation's not there because there's not a good solid business plan, right? And so they didn't do the work to set up a good solid business plan and they didn't delegate and empower people because here you are, you're living in a state of, you have a school that's hours away in that state um, and then you have schools all over the country, you know, and so you're not in them. And so talk to that salon owner right now, because I coach a lot of salon owners. And, you know, my goal is because my just cause is the fact that our future professionals are leaving this industry, Donna, as you know, after a few short years. And I believe it's because of poor leadership, but I also believe it's because they haven't fixed their foundation in these salons and we're going to watch them crumble and fall by year end the ones that that aren't going to do the work right now and they need to stop and do the work they need to stop working in their business and start working on their business and build that business plan back because they're so caught up in i've got to do the work to keep the business open so i got to see all the clients well now you got a team of people that are looking at you yeah it's great you're leading by example but they want you to lead them people want to be led yeah Talk they, about that. They absolutely do. You know, a story's coming to mind. I had, you know, we had a great clientele when I had my salon for 20 years. And um, I did this one couple's hair and they were great, you know, real regulars. I did her hair, his hair. And we just had, you know, we, you know, Tina, when you'd walk into our salon and I'm sure your salons, I've never been in one of your salons, but I'm sure they'll like this. You know, we just had a good energy, you know, with a lot of teamwork, a lot of fun and everything. So one day um, they come in he comes in and he said, Hey, guess what we did? I go, what? He goes, we bought a salon. And I go, what? And now these were, this was a couple that had a wonderful hustling, bustling graphic design business. They were graphic designers. And so, and in that world, they were really, um, you know, well-established. And I go, you did? I go, how come? And they, and they go, because when we leave here, we go and talk about how much fun we had and we want to have that. Wow. And I go, wait, how long have you had your salon? And they go, oh, a couple months. And I go, what are you doing in here? Getting your hair done. I go, you have an old salon. It's, it's two miles from mine. Wow. And they go, well, we haven't quite achieved what you've done here, but, but we're, we're, we're getting there. 
And, you know, the, the story, as you can imagine, goes two years later, they close it down because it just, you know, they, they don't know the business. Number one, if you're going to open up a salon, and mm -hmm. if you're a future professional looking for a job in a salon, look for a salon or that's involved. So meaning, you know, one of the reasons why our schools are so successful, Tina, is because look at who started them at mm -hmm. Wynn. And then when Wynn partnered in with John Paul, with Paul Mitchell Systems, you know, Wynn and John Paul are very active in their business. They're not part-time. And, you know, Wynn, Wynn has stayed involved. He's built a team that supports him and everything. But without that, I believe that it would be different. Could it still go on? Absolutely, it could. But when the owner is involved, there's nothing that can replace that. And so, you know, Tina, when you say that I have these schools in these other states and everything I do, but I want you to know for the first year or two of each school, they, they all rolled out, you know, I, you know, one after the other. So it wasn't like all at once we got them. I spent a lot of time in there and I, I sacrificed, you know, my family time and being in my own bed. And then I've spent a lot of nights in the hotel um, just so that I could be there so that I could set that foundation to be able to really do that. So if you're not willing to do that, don't do it because there's nothing once again, people are always looking for that replacement, Tina. There's nothing that will replace learning. There's nothing that will replace an owner that is committing to building the foundation of yeah. what it is that they're doing. There's nothing that yeah. will replace that. So Nothing can replace building people. Right. Period. You know, and that's yeah. what you do. You build people for a living. Yeah. And, and inadvertently, they build your companies because you believe right. in people. And I watch your staff. Your staff doesn't leave you, Donna. They love you because you build them. They know how much you care about them and you empower them. And that, that literally comes from Lindley. And so yeah. we, we need to call her up and tell her, thank you. I know, because right? Up that. in heaven. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Tina, when you say that no one's left me, well, I would like to think that no one's left me, but I have had, you know, I mean, it was funny, you know, you think about the first time that you let someone go and how that was in the, my salon world versus now. And it's, you know, two completely different scenarios, but at least you find your tribe and your tribe sticks with you. You know what I mean? Not everybody yes. enjoys being part of a team and not everybody enjoys having to learn and not everybody enjoys certifications. Not everybody enjoys, you know, constructive coaching. Not everybody enjoys that. So, but your, your tribe really does come with you, you know, and, um, Good. you know, so okay. yeah, to be essential, you have to be coached. That's going to be number eight. Oh my gosh. We have so many, we're going to, this is going to be a 24 hour <laughs> session here. A marathon. Like, we'll have lunch oh together. My gosh. Okay. So here's what I put. I said, uh, to believe you are essential. You have to do the work to understand your value. Then, so number three, then you will charge what you are worth. Okay. So, all right. I have stylists right now that are like freaking out about this. This is quarantine time and they're freaking out. Like we've got to raise our prices or charge some kind of COVID fee because we got to SOS save our salon. And I have been interviewing Donna salon owners that are opening and they're like, Oh no, we didn't, we didn't change our prices. We didn't do, I'm like, wait a minute how much money are you spending on extra supplies? Everything you are to set up your, they're like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. let's, why don't we go through like your expense list right now? Cause what do you, are you going to just throw a dart and just like hope that this business works? Like, no, you have to do the work right now. Cause we're setting up new business structure right now, Donna. And this is your opportunity to finally understand business. It's your opportunity. I coached a salon owner team, husband and wife last year that have been in business for 14 years that never once read their profit and loss statement. Wow. Never once. And I watched them the six months at the end of the training with them. They felt it so much more peace and I felt like they were ready to take it on. They ended up shutting down the second salon because they realized they didn't do the work. So I love what you're saying, Donna, because you did the work. And then you slowly kept, you bloomed where you're planted. You slowly kept opening these businesses, but you did the work. You know, Tina, I, uh, I'm a big believer in backing into everything. So you have to back into it and you have to understand what your costs are. And, and like you said, if you haven't done an analysis, you haven't kept track of what you're spending to be able to bring all of your business up to speed 
as I look at all these businesses, I believe that there's going to be an opportunity for us to really look at our leases and have somewhat of an opportunity there to renegotiate because there's going to be so much retail space open. Yeah. And, and, and for us to be able to stay in our businesses, you know, landlords are going to have to make it work. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I own a retail business, I don't want my business. I'd rather have someone in there paying a dollar square foot than no one and having it sit empty, you know? So, um, but, oh my gosh, if you have a salon, you just understand you have, have, have to analyze that cost and don't be afraid of it. You know, yeah. sometimes we do things, if you have that creative side like me, sometimes I do things with blinders on my eyes thinking, yeah. oh, it'll all just work out. You know, yep. gone are those days of saying, oh, it'll all just work out. You know, somehow miraculously it has, but, you know, um, we create what we experience and, and we have to back into it and take the blinders off. And, and with our staff, this is the other thing, Tina, I think there's an opportunity to do this. If, if I had a salon right now, I would sit down with every single one of our staff as a group yes. together. We would, come, we would work on this together. Wynn told us a long time ago, he said, stop listening to your CPA explain in their language. Tell them to explain it in Tina language. So I did. <laughs> and my, my CPA is like, Tina, I sent you it in color and this is Tina language. And, you know, I'll say to Sean, Sean, um, can you give me this in a nutshell, Tina language? And he'll give me two sentences. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Don't that's give me great. Long it's, well, it's really true. You have to understand where your limitations are and you have yeah. to be able to work with them and you have yes. to be able to ask, think outside of the box and be willing to ask those questions that are outside of the box for fear, let the fear of looking stupid or dumb or uneducated or anything go. You know, I mean, yeah. most of the time I find when I ask a question, there's also 20 other people in the room that are like, Oh, thank you for asking that question. I was wondering too, Yeah. you know, and, um, yeah. So true. Donna, let's back up just for a second because I want to stay on this because I know that you believe in yourself. Um, help hairstylists understand how to charge what they're worth. And, and, and I know it's going to take some work to, to be essential, okay, to be able to charge what you're worth. My daughter, Brianna, she's never blinked an eye of how she charged with people. And so she's like that great purify example to our team, which is awesome. They see her. And, uh, but we have these stylists that are like, oh, I can't raise my prices. Oh my gosh, what are they going to think? Like, they're not going to, they're going to leave me. You know, they have this fear of they're going to leave me if I raise my prices and it's $2. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. Let's talk about this because this is a serious problem right now. You know, it is. And really, Tina, it really comes down to a confidence thing. And, you know, I, I, you know, as we're talking here, I don't want anybody to think that I, you know, behind the chair, I had the confidence, you know, my first or second year that I did, you know, my 18th and 19th year, you know, behind the chair, certainly two, two different scenarios. Um, but if you go to a hair show, when you come back, talk about it with every single one of your clients. If you do training online, talk about it with your clients. So you're building this dialogue with them about what you're doing to refine yourself and build yourself as a hairdresser behind the chair. Yes. So for years, you know, I'm, I'm cutting and I'm always wondering if I'm good and, and people are saying they love it and they're coming back and I'm building a clientele and I'm three, four months booked out and then I'm six months booked out and everything, but there's still something inside that I'm like, oh, oh my God, I don't know. I'm not like XYZ or I'm not like XYZ, you know, these big hairdressers up in Salt Lake that I was always consider myself because we were down in Provo and, you know, so um, one day I remember after work, I went up to Park City with some friends and we were having dinner and I walked in and sat at my table and I looked across the way and there was this most beautiful haircut sitting there, um, you know, across the room. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is the most beautiful hair. Look at how that just lays in. I mean, she moves and it just flows and blah, blah, blah and everything. And all I could see was the back, right? And I was like, oh, that's so-and-so's haircut. Oh, that's someone's. If they're up here in Park City, they've got to be from Salt Lake and blah, blah, blah. This whole dialogue, three-fourths of my dinner just was going on, you know, that internal dialogue that you have with yourself. And all of a sudden, her table finished, and she stood up and turned around. And guess what, Tina? It was my haircut. Wow. I had done. 
And I, I mean, I remember just sitting back in my chair like this, just going, <laughs> I've just been admiring my own work. Wow. I am good. What a I story. So that's what I did. I went back to the salon to raise my prices. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you got to believe you're good. Again, so it's kind of going back to that belief. And yeah. oh, my gosh. Oh, this is so good. So you got to be an expert so you can sound like an expert so you can charge expert prices. Because when you feel like an expert, you can charge those prices. So the, the internal dialogue is the reason why you're not able to raise your prices because you don't feel like an expert. So give some advice right now how they can feel like an expert and how to not compare, so to speak, but just believe in their work. What do they need to do? Well, like I said, you have to replace the compete with learn from. So I don't compete with someone. I'm not competing. I'm going to learn from someone. And, um, you know, yeah. Tina, the only thing that will ever give you that expert feeling I always say this to future professionals who are coming out, you know, from core into adaptive. I'm like, are you nervous for your first real live guest haircut? And I love it when they say yes, because I say that's exactly how you're supposed to feel, you know? So certainly, Tina, my first year in a salon standing behind the chair, you know, if I expect my level of experience and how I view my work and everything as an expert level, where do I go from there? Exactly. I, I put a lid on myself, right? I yeah. already think I've reached the, the, the top of the top and, 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 and I can't keep growing from there. So understand at your first year, it's going to be different at your fifth year and your fifth year is going to be different than your 10th year and your 10th year is going to be different than your 15th year and your 15th year is going to be different than your 20th year. So allow yourself patience with your growth and your learning, but also do the work to learn and to practice. Yeah. 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 Do the work and invest in yourself. You have to do the work. We require at least they pay half of education and then our salon will cover the other half because we want people to put skin in the game. You know, yeah, I could just throw that money out to people. It's so easy all day long, you know, but when they do the, when they pay, something happens, It, it shifts, that mindset shifts. And now they feel like an expert, like I just paid for this. So I'm charging, I'm going to charge more. Isn't it that way with anything in life? I mean, the first time that your child has to buy something, if they have to help pay for that bike that they got, isn't it treated a lot differently than if it's just given to them? You know, that that's just one of the irrefutable laws of the universe. What we (laughs) have skin in the game for, we treat a lot differently and we look, look at it a lot differently. So you'll see yourself as essential. Yeah, very, very wise, Tina, to be able to do that, to offer them, you know, an incentive to do, go to education, but they also have to put some skin in the game, too. So, yeah, you know yeah. what? A continuing education is just a non-negotiable. And, and yeah. you know, if you can get in a salon that's going to help promote that, good for you, and, and, and you're going to enjoy that, and that's a, definitely a perk. Um, but if not, then you're going to have to provide that for yourself. You know, there's so many solo salons and you know, everybody's going into these rooms where, you know, you just rent a room and you're there by yourself and everything, but you hit the learning has to continue or else you're just going to be stuck at that place where you went that day, you know? Oh, so, so true. Wow. Okay. Big discoveries here for me right now. Uh, and then I put, uh, let's talk, I want to stay on number four for a second. Cause you talked about, you had 10 kids uh, in your family. And so you learned how to get thick skin. And so when I say thick skin, it's now known as high emotional intelligence. Okay. So let's talk about that because you have high emotional intelligence, Donna. And that's why I believe that you are essential and you believe that you are essential. So let's talk about that because that is the biggest thing that we're constantly training our stylists on and our teams is emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm boy, isn't there a need for that, Tina? And you know, it's interesting, Tina, even for myself, I mean, emotional intelligence is, I've written, during this quarantine, I've really worked on my self-talk. And, um, you know, I try to ask myself when, the, when stupid thoughts, I call them stupid thoughts that don't serve me, come through my mind. I ask, I have to stop, I develop a thing where I stop and I ask myself, is that true? And um, so, you know, growing up in a family of 10, I had, you know, a couple of siblings, you know, we all kind of had our cliques, 
So meaning like, you know, the oldest two were their little click and then, you know, the next three of us were a little click and everything. And, and when I say developing a thick skin, you're just, you know, when they say the middle child is kind of the forgotten child and, you know, um, I don't know if, if I felt like I was forgotten, I was certainly a lot easier going because you just kind of take in everything around you, you know, but there was always teasing happening and, you know, um, you know, just, just, just good stuff. And, you know, I, I say good stuff now, but you know, you want to know the crazy thing is, Tina, I can remember I was in sixth grade and I can remember being outside on my lawn in the front lawn going, wow, I haven't cried today. That's amazing. I'm really growing up. So I always try to approach it as um, we all have value and that includes me. And if, if, if I decide to take something personally, um, I'm not going to have a good time with that. You know, I need to dig deeper and I need to step back from it and I need to try to understand it from the other person's eyes. You know what I mean? And, and it takes a lot. It takes a lot to slow down, mm. slow down, slow down, slow down. Ask yourself if it's true. If you've taken something personally, ask yourself if it's true. Ask yourself if that person isn't looking at it. You know, I, I'll tell you another story. And, and this goes back to Lindley too. When I was um, probably my junior year in high school, I switched friends because the group that I had got a little crazy and a little wild and everything. So I kind of gravitated to these other friends for, for, for a little bit. We kind of started, you know, making a connection. There were about three of them. And they invited me one night to come over to their, one of their houses and just hang out. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I drove over there at night and um, I knocked on their door and I knocked and I knocked and I knocked and the house was dark and no one was there. And I rang the doorbell again. And then as I started walking off, all of a sudden I could hear him inside the house. I could hear the <laughs> girls and they were like, you know, snickering and they were like, no, no, she's still here. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're not opening the door. They invited me, but now they're not opening the door. And you know, Tina, I can remember getting in my car and driving away thinking, well, didn't they miss out tonight by not being with me? Yes, yes. So there's a million different yes. ways that you can look at something. And I marvel now as I'm older and I look back at that, what a gift somehow I had that night that that thought popped into my mind and that it didn't devastate me, that I didn't have the soft talk of going, you know, oh, why did they hang out with me? Why didn't they? And so Monday when school came around, I mean, I just said hi to him and we never discussed it. And, you know, we never made a, that much of a connection after that, which was okay. But, but yet there was never any malice between us or anything. You know what I mean? They went their way. I went my way and went, met Wendy Percival not long after that. We went to high school. So understand we create the self-talk. Yes. We create the self-talk. And, and, and unless we slow that down, unless we ask if it's true, unless we ask these questions, we will be devastated by some events. Yeah. And, and, I, think, and, uh, I think junior high has either devastated or built people up. I really do because we've all went through this in junior high. It, I think everybody can look back and say they had a tumultuous experience in junior high. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, but if you can get through that, you can make it through anything. If you can learn from that. Oh my God. Big realization just now. Okay. So that was get thick skin. Number five, we've talked about this. Find people that believe in you, Lindley. And that's why, I wanted to do a Paul Mitchell school. That's why, because I watched Win, I watched John Paul, like they believed in me. Yesterday, I'm sitting there walking to my car, like really tears in my eyes. The quarantine has given me so much gratitude, so much gratitude, tears in my eyes, like they believed in me. They believed in me. I would not mm -hmm. be where I am today if I did not have someone that believed in me. And that's why I love Paul Mitchell Schools, Donna, because we believe in our future professionals. That's the difference. And the student said today, she said, I had no idea that I would be going into school. I thought I was gonna be learning hair and I am learning how to do life. 
Yeah. And I just said, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> that's we what we're, we're so much more. We're a revolution. We're not about, yeah, yeah we're about yeah. great hair too. Cause we do some really awesome hair. We do so much more. Yeah. Yeah. No, I say technical skill wise. I mean, I did two colors when I was in beauty school, 2000 hours, Tina, two colors. I mixed up zero because Miss Dorothy mixed up all the colors so we wouldn't screw up the color. And all I did was touch up with those two colors was touch up little old ladies regrowth and two of them. And that was my experience with colors. So certainly our Palm Mitchell schools are so, I tell my students, yeah. you are five to 10 years ahead where, when, yes. from where I was in color, the color department, you know. I, I had to do a lot of work to bring myself up to speed on that, but the emotional intelligence on everything is certainly we're exposing, we're teaching, we're leading, um, you know, not only our future professionals, but also our staff and our team members, you know, to be able to grow in this area because our schools and, and everything, they've done such a horrible job of it. I mean, I think, yeah. I think emotional intelligence should just be, a class that is as essential as math, reading, yeah, you know, all of those, you know. Oh, I've always classes. said every high school student should go through our program because um, even if they don't want to do hair, they should go through our program because of the emotional intelligence training that they're going to receive. And they're also going to learn how to deal with people because guess what? You have to deal with people. I don't care what industry you're in. You have to be a, yeah. you have to be connect, a connector. And besides that, hello, Donna, in the quarantine, I bet people wish that they went to cosmetology school because they don't look good at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing some really scary hair out there. I know you are too. I okay, know. Number six, challenge your capacity. I loved that you said read books. Be a book lover. Hello. Uh, number seven, I, here's what I put. Build a solid foundation. Build a team. Because I said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. I mean, hello, Donna, we would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the Paul Mitchell School no. owners and Wynn and John Paul. I mean, there's no way. I put number nine, don't compare yourself with others or compete with others. Instead, learn from others. That's so powerful. That's an art in itself, which I love. And then number 10, I put invest in yourself, get skin in the game. Did I miss anything, Donna, <laughs> to be essential? Boy, Tina, I think this has been a great, great, great dialogue. Um, you know, just learning the art of being able to not take anything personally and, and being able to be willing to really grow through it, you know, is really, really, really so essential. And I have a thing called the microscopic truth. Have you ever heard of the microscopic no, truth? No, tell me. Okay, so it's, it's in that, it's in the book, you know, Conscious Loving. Okay. Um, they have a concept called the microscopic truth. And meaning, if in a coaching situation, we share 60% of what the situation is and we hold things back, it's not going to work. Mm. Wow. Why do people hold things back? fear of hurting people's feelings. Um, it's, it's, it, it takes guts to tell the truth. But when I started practicing this principle, Tina, I'll tell you, I felt so liberated in life. And guess what happened? I started having deeper, stronger connections. Whoa, be liberated. Okay. How do you train people to do this? And talk to the salon owners because, and I'm trying to figure this out myself. So coach me, uh, how do I build that safety with my team so that they get liberated and speak up and tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. <laughs> well, first off is our reaction. Yeah. Okay. When we ask for someone to open up, we have to be able to hold back ourselves to be willing to hear anything. So I know you've done, you know, probably several exercises, Tina, where you ask people to, you know, rate you and give you feedback on how you do and all that and everything. Yeah. So, you know, that that's fine in that way when someone's trying to rate you, but when they're coming to you with a challenge or, you know, whether it be between the two of you or whether it be something in their personal life, whether, whether it be something else, um, you have to learn that it's mostly their experience they're having, and it has really probably very little to do with you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, this is, this is so gold. The, 
So the reaction has to be slowed down mm. and you have to get into their shoes and their eyes and you have to see it through what they're seeing and, and give them that safety net where they feel that they can come out and, and, and be truthful and not, you know, truthful and everything. And it may not come out in one session. You know, I, I just had a coaching session with one of my, you know, uh, fondest, dearest team members. And, you know, we, we've gotten a little off track on some things and some things that I'd asked, you know, got, I, I didn't communicate very well, you know, what I was wanting and a lot of different perceptions built into it. And we had one discussion surrounding it. And, you know, the next day I thought it's, it, we're not done. So I opened up the dialogue again and we, and we got a lot farther and a lot more came out. So, you know, sometimes it does take going back around, but um, without that microscopic truth, you have to make people comfortable with being able to share the truth, you, you know, share, share the truth. And then you have to know when they're pushing it and where it's an issue of their own. And, um, you know, if someone says, I have an issue with the color of your hair, Donna, you know, then I'm going to say, well, thank you, but that's not your issue to have an issue with. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just an issue that yeah. you, you, with you, you know, we're going to gel with most people, but once in a while, there's going to be someone that's just not going to see eye to eye with us. Uh, so I love this. Uh, find the microscopic truth. So how to build safety. You've got to slow down your reaction. I think this is gold. I think this is everything. I think this is the challenge that we see it, why people are having salon walkouts because they're not building enough safety to allow a strong communication plan in their business. And I love the fact that you kept coming back around, like follow your gut. Donna, how can people find you? How can they follow you? And people can take your online makeup academy, correct? They can. They can. So how it can is they sign up for that program? They can, uh, e they can email me at Donna, D-O-N-N-A-M, as in Mary, wait, W-A-I-T-E, at gmail.com. Um, but you can email me at Donna M. Wait, and I will certainly put you in touch with who you need to be, be able to, you know, get that done. But talk to your school owner and tell them that you want that in there to be able to benefit. You know, the thing that I love about our Makeup Academy, Tina, so I'm just going to give a little shout out to it. Yes, is we, we, you know, Robert Jones is amazing. Anyway, if you look at his portfolio, he's written um, six books in 18 different languages, and they've all been top sellers throughout the world. So he's really a true pro makeup artist. And he's been, you know, worked on so many movie stars and been in, published in all, you know, the magazines that you see on the stand and everything. So his work is really great. And he's a map. But the best thing I love about Robert, he's a master teacher. And so online, he can teach like, you know, teaching online is hard to do. It he is. such a master and he engages in the way he explains and everything is just so brilliant. And so it's really, really a great thing. So talk to your school owners. You know what we're finding through all of these virtual presentations, and I don't know if your schools are finding this, Tina, is that they're loving it because suddenly they can get so much close-up detail and everybody can understand and see what's going on. If you're in a room with you know, 150 future professionals or 100 and you're at the back of the room, your experience is going to be so different than the first two rows. And Donna, you can't see the devil detail oh and everything. God. So yes, it's, it's I, I don't know if we'll ever go back Tina, to the way we were, yeah. I, you know, I don't, no, I don't I'm know. loving this hybrid training yeah. that's going to happen. I really am. I, I was pumped up the minute I heard about this distance training. I was the biggest cheerleader for the whole thing and my staff knew it. And I was trying not to be too excited because I wanted to like stay calm and collect, but I couldn't. I was coming out yeah. of the train. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very, very timely. My Instagram is Donna M. Wait. W-A-I-T-E, by the way. W-A-I-T-E. Yeah. And request and I will absolutely okay. accept you and 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 you, you can see a little glimpse into my world and everything but um uh, any last piece of advice as we close this out today thanks thanks again donna you know tina i was reading this morning and um i read a quote something to the effect of if you're on the right path it's probably uphill keep mm. climbing yes so good everything is uphill but it's worthwhile i love it only if it's uphill is it worthwhile, unless you're on vacation.
and then and then it's and then good. and then you're laying on the beach and, and and that's just gonna be a flat line day that you can just enjoy but honestly it really is Tina I, I I wish I was interviewing you because you know I just think the world of you and admire you so much and thank you for the work that you're doing to be able to improve this industry for all of us because we're building this future generation that's going to come out and carry on this legacy for all of us so thank you thank you thank you the work you're doing is absolutely necessary and essential. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.